Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Uh, Marion Cooper joins us now on the phone, the Executive Director of Canadian Mental Health Services locally. Marion, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hal. Thank you for coming on today, an important day today. Uh, it is World Suicide Prevention Day. Uh, I'll just get some initial thoughts on the day, the purpose of the day, and then we'll we'll get into it. Absolutely. It is a, a global uh, campaign that we're a part of, and mental health advocates, suicide prevention um, leaders across the, the world really are um, speaking up about the importance of suicide prevention and that um, there's something that we can all do to support individuals who may be struggling with suicidal thoughts and to begin to make sure that we're creating space that allows for people to speak openly about their struggles. So we're, we're part, part of this uh, campaign and um, we're really trying to encourage everybody to see themselves as being a part of the solution around suicide prevention. What can we do? Is it as simple, Marion, as listening? It is that simple, and yet that's so hard for some people because it's an uncomfortable topic. It scares people, and people sometimes feel um, a little uneasy about um, knowing how to approach those situations. If they have someone in their life that they're concerned about, um, how do you have that conversation? And what we encourage people to do is to keep it simple. Um, it's about using sort of our relationships and connecting with people and just sitting down and having that conversation and remembering that that the power that we each have through those relationships can make a huge difference. We also want to make sure that anyone who is hearing this today knows that if uh, you want to participate in an education program to help you feel more comfortable, to have the skills and tools, to have those conversations, we have a new partnership we'd love to tell you about. And I think those are skills we all should try and learn uh, because we may very well be faced with somebody in our life, a friend or family member, uh, that is contemplating taking their own life. And and I think maybe, you tell me, Miriam, but I think maybe sometimes when we sense that, we don't know what the right thing to do or say is, and, and maybe then we don't address the problem at a time when we can make a difference. Am I off on that or am I right? You're right on that, and um, that's exactly why we encourage people to, you know, take the time to learn about this topic and start to get comfortable. Because when you are in that situation, that that conversation might make a huge difference. We actually have a new program that we are promoting today as part of World Suicide Prevention. We've partnered with Living Works Education to promote a new online training program. It only takes 90 minutes. Um, People can take this course online and they can learn the skills and uh, resources that they need to be able to have those simple conversations um, and feel more comfortable and confident if they're faced with that kind of situation. And how can people find that? Give us the website or whatever we need to know. Absolutely. So if you go to the Canadian Mental Health Association for Manitoba and Winnipeg, our website, um, mbwpg.cmha.ca, you will find um, some information there about this new partnership with Living Works Education, and the program is called START. It teaches individuals how to recognize warning signs for suicide and others and how to take meaningful action to keep them safe and connect them to community resources. Are there always signs? 
that's a big question. You know, there are countless scenarios and situations. And um, for sure, there are times when people have shared their lived experience that they've lost a loved one to suicide and they didn't see any of the signs. And so we can go back and, you know, go through all of those scenarios and um, interactions and maybe still not see a sign. So I can't say there's always signs. Often there are signs. Um, We also live in a time when things are pretty fast-paced and we don't slow down enough to notice. And so that's part of our societal struggle is, um, you know, realizing um, we need to slow down and pay attention when people are struggling or not themselves. And, uh, you know, maybe that's part of what's happened during this pandemic. Many of us have slowed down, but also with that has come a lot of isolation. So now more than ever, we need to be um, all paying attention and connecting to one another. I was doing some reading uh, this morning on this subject, and there are so many, I found shocking stats. There are so many numbers and, you know, things that I didn't realize that I'm now aware of. And we're going to get into this later on, too, uh, with another guest. But one that stuck out here for me, for every one suicide, 25 people have made a suicide attempt. So just give that some thought. For every suicide, 25 others have tried. Yeah, and then you can amplify that. The The number of people who thought about suicide is even larger. So, you know, breaking down the stigma and the silence around this is really important because, you know, we know many people have been struggling with these thoughts. Some people have tried. And then, of course, there are those many situations where um, there's been death by suicide and there are many families and co-workers and communities who are bereaved by suicide. So we need to all be in this together to recognize that this is something that uh, is actually a public health issue. And we need to make sure that we're all equipped to be able to recognize the signs and uh, build that confidence to, to have those conversations and to not be afraid to ask You know, are you thinking of hurting yourself? Are you thinking of suicide? Just saying that word doesn't plant the idea. Sometimes people think if I say it, then I'm somehow planting this idea. That's a myth. Um, Mm -hmm. It creates a real opportunity for people to feel like they can be vulnerable. They can be honest when somebody reaches out and has has that conversation and says the words for them because then it creates space for them to share how they're feeling. Well, Marion, I, I hope our conversation has done some good today uh, on this World Suicide Prevention Day. Thank you very much. Thank you. Andrew Russell is one of our Global News National online journalists, and he joins us now. Andrew, good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for doing this. We Charity, we found out late yesterday that they're shutting down Canadian operations. Give us the latest on this. Uh, yeah, so we found out yesterday in what was a surprise decision to many that uh, who've been following the story that they're going to be, um, what they said, winding down their Canadian operations. Um, this means that they're going to be effectively shutting down in Canada. They're going to be slowly selling off uh, some of their real estate holdings. Uh, they own a significant um, uh, number of uh, properties, in uh, specifically in the Toronto area, and they're going to be uh, they said they're going to be selling those off into an endowment fund, which will be going, uh, which will be governed by a new board of directors. Um, the brothers are stepping down, and this sort of this fund is going to go to continue uh, supporting some of its international projects that have been started but haven't been completed yet. And you know, I I was surprised, and I'm sure a lot of other people were surprised uh, if they've dug into this at all. And I know you have. 
this is a big operation. I mean, you talk about real estate in Toronto. The Toronto uh, area has some of the most expensive real estate, and we owned a good chunk of it. That's right. According to their 2019 um, financial statements that uh, they have to submit with the Canada Revenue Agency, um, we know that they own roughly $40 million worth of real estate in Toronto. And it's important to keep in mind that that number, which is on their balance sheet, that figure is just the uh, uh, the price tag for which they bought it, not what its currently uh, market value is. So it could be significantly higher. Yeah. And um, what this has done, at least what the opposition parties believe this has done, is it's just brought the scandal to the forefront again, right? We were waiting for the throne speech on September 23rd. Uh, The proroguing of Parliament sort of uh, took the scandal and at least uh, uh, quelled it for a bit. But this has really brought it back to the forefront now with the We Charity essentially shutting down in Canada. That's right. The opposition uh, wasted no time uh, jumping on this announcement. Uh, They're portraying it as a failure by the government to properly assess this charity before they awarded, you know, the massive student, the decision to manage this massive student volunteer program. Now, the opposition are saying or they portray this as a charity that was in dire financial trouble. Um, The the Trudeau government uh, approached them and offered, essentially offered a lifeline to this charity, to um, a charity with really close ties that has paid hundreds of thousands of speaking fees and travel expenses um, to the prime minister's family. And then also really close ties, we know, to his former finance minister, Bill Morneau, who resigned uh, last month um, over uh, a tension there between him and the, and the uh, prime minister's office. So it's just, it's, yeah, brought this whole issue back to the forefront. And we know that uh, House of Commons is resuming on September 23rd, so this is going to be a, a continuing story. How significant of an operation is We Charity outside of Canada? They're shutting down their Canadian operations. Is it as big elsewhere or bigger? How significant are, are their foreign holdings? Well, we do know that in the uh, U.S., for example, uh, last year, uh, according to their filings, um, they brought in roughly um, $30 million U.S. in revenue. Uh, we know the British charity brought in roughly $9 million last year in in revenue. So it's uh, their operations in the U.S. are, are quite big. And then there's also their um, uh, their for-profit business, um, Me To We. Um, yesterday, the Kielberger brothers uh, gave one of their first needy interviews where they said, uh, you know, everything is now being uh, is being uh, considered um to potentially stop, they, they, there's been nothing sort of confirmed, but it's the COVID-19 uh, pandemic has affected all aspects of the WE organization, in, you know, including here in Canada, or sorry, here in the U.S. and uh, in the U.K. as well. Yeah, and, and obviously the statement on, on WE Charity yesterday mentioned COVID-19 as the main reason, but also in that statement there was some talk of the political scandal that uh, that followed uh, that contract that's now since been cancelled uh, that was, of course, going to be given to WE to help employ students. But uh, anyhow, that those are the, the reasons given, but at the uh, end of the day they're shutting down Canadian operations. Andrew, mm-hmm. thanks a lot for this. Really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Dr. Brent Bruce and Manitoba's top doctor today. 
during the live news conference we had at 1 o'clock here on CGOB, asked by Global News reporter Brittany Greenslade about Halloween. Dr. Rusin saying he doesn't really want to give any recommendations yet. Will Halloween be canceled in L.A. County? They were talking about it. They haven't canceled it outright, trick-or-treating, but they have uh, recommended against it. So what will Halloween look like here? I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on what you're planning for Halloween. 204-780-6868 and Hal at CJOB.com. But let's bring in Cheryl Weeb, owner of Gags Unlimited. Hi, Cheryl. Hi, how are you today? Great. Thanks a lot for doing this. Uh, normally, if I was driving into the radio station, I'd be driving by you every day, twice a day. Uh, I happened to be out the other day. I'm here at my home studio and have been since March 18th, but I was out the other day and I drove by and I saw your windows there on South Osborne. Oh, I guess you're actually in Osborne Village, right by Confusion Corner there, and your windows are all painted up nicely, trying to attract some attention. What kind of a Halloween is it going to be you, uh, for you this year? Well, I'm not sure what it's going to be like for the store, but I think that most people are going to do uh, Halloween anyways, but maybe not the same way Halloween always is. I, I think that a lot of people are going to have gatherings or small small parties with their small groups of people. I know that my grandson really does not want Halloween to be canceled, <laughs> so uh, so I'm hoping that it's a it's a a safe way of having Halloween. But I don't think people are going to give up dressing up in costumes and celebrating like they usually do. I yeah, I, I agree. I agree with you. I think they're going to do it differently. But you must be hearing as people come into the store for their costumes and their ideas. It's early, I imagine, but they're starting to. What are you hearing? Is that what you're hearing? Most people are going to hold bubble gatherings within their little group of family and friends? Yeah, I hear a lot of people making suggestions about how maybe if there is a trick-or-treating thing, it could be like a, a, a depot or people putting things out in their yard and just t asking people to take a couple, you know, a couple items. When it comes to the adults, I think most people just have, there won't be large celebrations because there aren't right now anyways. But, you know, I think that they'll have small home parties and things like that. So, and I'm, I think for children too, a lot of adults are thinking, well, we'll just have our little group of children and we'll make something for them as well. Won't be the same but it would be something right to celebrate so and dressing up which is a big part of your business mm -hmm. uh, dressing up is is easy whether you've got one two three four people i mean dressing up should be part of it right yeah and it's always fun <laughs> So, and yeah. I still have people coming in. Uh, I have people who are really concentrating on, you know, next year's cosplay, hoping that it's all going to go and so they have extra time to work on costumes. So there's still the interest in that. People like to dress up. They like to have fun. And listen, I couldn't have you on uh, from Gags Unlimited without asking you, what are the hot costumes at this point getting ready for Halloween? Oh, I'm not really very sure because people really are just looking for mix and match and a lot of accessories. We get a lot more people who like to build their own now. Yeah. So who really like to focus on their own and like cosplay, things like that. So we are really trying to cater to more, more to people who want to start from scratch, build up a little bit, get better. We got a lot of people who start with uh, just generic kind of makeup, but they're really working their way up and they're impressive, really impressive. So... Mm -hmm. Even when our Brittany Greenslade, our global news reporter Brittany Greenslade, asked Dr. Rusin at the live news conference, which we had here on CGOB at 1 o'clock, she asked about Halloween, and one of the other reporters said, well, wear a mask. Have you got masks? Have you got face masks for COVID-19 in your store that are in a Halloween theme? 
we actually have a lot coming in that are different themes and we custom make masks now as well too we do custom printing so we have a lot of masks and we can make basically anything anybody wanted so uh, we do our own custom printing in here now as well so we can accommodate the face mask for halloween <laughs> so for sure excellent and i think for a lot of people that's what it's going to be this year maybe it is just going to be a fun halloween themed face mask yeah yeah well i do get a lot of people in here looking for just even there's no better time to wear a mask really so right so yeah. for all kinds right so but uh, and then you have the people who want to have the mask that match their costume so you know vampire bang mask with the vampire or whichever you're going to be so I think that uh, I think people can have some fun with this this year. So. Mm-hmm. And um, let me ask you uh, about the business. Are you concerned about your business? Are you concerned revenues will be down? It's your big time of year, I would imagine. Well, our big time of year usually starts with events because we do balloons and events. So yeah. I think anyone who's in events has uh, suffered quite a bit this year. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. Um, I don't know. I'm actually hoping that more people just celebrate, you know, the small things. And hopefully it uh, won't be too hard of a hit. So, yeah, that's really, I, ho- yeah. I hope it's I hope it's going to be a different season for everybody for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. But I hope you have a great Halloween at Gags Unlimited. Cheryl, thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having me. Cheryl Weeb is the owner of Gags Unlimited. So uh, what are you planning for Halloween? How are you going to Dr. Rusin isn't ready to make any recommendations yet. He's certainly not canceling Halloween. I mentioned uh, in L.A. County, they're not banning trick-or-treating, but they are recommending against it. Let me just read a little bit uh, from a story that I found today on what's happening in L.A. County. Uh, They say the reasoning behind the original ban was that it would be hard to maintain social distancing on porches and at front doors, and people opening their doors may not be wearing face masks, could be sick, and may have touched the candy. But, well, it's backtracked on trick-or-treating, The county's guidance still bans Halloween gatherings or parties with non-household members as well as carnivals, festivals, live entertainment, and haunted house attractions. Yeah, there's some big haunted house attractions locally too, which I would imagine they can't do what they do. We'll have to check in with one of them uh, as well. Here's what health officials, though, in L.A. County are suggesting. Instead, why not organize a car parade or an online party? But here's a question I have for you. So tell me what you have planned for Halloween. Are you thinking about it? And if, you know, if trick-or-treating essentially is, uh, if Dr. Rusin comes out and says, yeah, we're not recommending trick-or-treating or we're canceling trick-or-treating, what are you going to do instead? Um, and uh, the other thought I had was, you know, if everything's virtual these days, right? They canceled the Manitoba Marathon and said, well, we're going to do it virtually. And I hope the virtual thing works. Don't get me wrong. But has the novelty of all these online get-togethers completely worn off? Are you just done with it? Will you send your kids out trick-or-treating? Will you hand out candy? Carolyn Klassen from Connexus Counseling. Come on in here. How are you? Hey, how how are you? 
Excellent. ConnexusCounseling.ca. They're also on uh, Facebook. Uh, you can find Connexus Counseling on Facebook. Carolyn writes lots of great stuff there. Uh, Carolyn, let's start with uh, Halloween here. And the reason I want to uh, start with Halloween is because we were talking about it before the news at 2.30 here. I'll just mention one other quick text message here from Jeff. Jeff says, Hal, we celebrate Halloween every year. I take a vacation day and spend all day decorating the front yard. This year we will be closed due to COVID-19. And uh, Bob sent me this one. Hal, normally on Halloween, we have all treats ready ahead of time in individual bags. So no one has to reach out. We drop one in each child's bag. Very limited contact, only at the door for a minute and outside. We will likely wear a mask, but feel risk is very low with all the children uh, have had to endure. I think keeping Halloween alive this year is even more important. And we've had some great ideas of how people plan to change up Halloween, but still have Halloween, Carolyn. Is it important that we do some sort of Halloween for our kids? I do like the creativity that your listeners have suggested, How I and I have been hearing when I was listening the last half hour, how significant uh, Halloween is. It's just such a fun time where people have a chance to dress up, sometimes kind of challenge their fears with the whole idea of ghosts and things like that, haunted houses. Uh, and so it's often just such a fun celebratory time. And I think it's important to figure out how, this is an opportunity to be creative and to ask the kids, so what could we do to make it fun? And how do we want to get on board to figure out how to have a creative solution to this? And I think this gives children a chance. One of the tasks of every child as they move towards adulthood is to learn to become resilient. And part of that is figuring out how to deal with disappointment and then how to pivot and make something that's really hard a little less worse. And this is an occasion to do that. And I think we're all in this together this year, so we're very aware of that. But every year at Halloween, there are some children who are ill or who have to travel for a family event and miss Halloween in the traditional sense. And they get through it. And there's various ways that parents support them and hold their disappointment or find creative ways to do a workaround. But people have been celebrating Halloween in a different way because of individual circumstances for many years. And now we just all do it together. Well, and I think, it, just based on the text messages and emails that I'm getting from grown-ups, I think it's important that we celebrate Halloween in some way, not just for the kids, but for the big kids, too. <laughs> I think it's important. I think we all kind of need a break from this, don't we? Well, and I think any excuse we can find to create a break from routine and something that's kind of quirky and fun and just gives us a little bit of you know, a highlight on this Friday or this Saturday, something a little bit different. When we have something in the short term that we can look forward to, that helps us get through this time because the light at the end of the COVID tunnel is too discouraging. We have to find ways between now and then that give us a little lift. And so Halloween has often been a lift for us. And this year, um, just as important or more important than ever. And you're right, it's not just for children. It's for adults. I think sometimes adults are really worried. They say they're worried about the disappointment of children, but that's really kind of a cover for disappointment for ourselves because Halloween is something that people of all ages enjoy. 
Yeah. Um, I was talking earlier, too, in L.A. County, they have an out-and-out canceled trick-or-treating, but they're recommending against it. And I asked the question earlier, and I'm, I'm curious what you think. I, I said in, in, in L.A. County, they're saying, oh, maybe you can, you know, do something uh, virtually or, or do something online, have a, uh, what do they call it, a, um, a, an online party or, you know, a car per Oh, here we are. A car parade, have a car parade or an online party. And I said, has the novelty of online get-togethers completely worn off at this point? And I kind of think it has. People use these Zoom calls for work and everything so much. I think at the start of this, we thought, well, this is kind of cool. And I think now it's just, come on. it's We're done. <laughs> well... I think as much as we can do that isn't virtual, that we can do real, the better. And I, But I think different than L.A. in Winnipeg here is L.A. can find ways to do things outdoors uh, fall months of the year. In right. Winnipeg, depending on the kind of winter, we may need to save some of those virtual events for later in the season when the wind chill is such that we can't possibly do anything outside. And so if we can find ways of doing Halloween in an altered and safe way, but that still involves um, some sort of being outdoors ourselves. I would hope that would be the way we would be able to go. Mm-hmm. All right, let's shift gears uh, from Halloween to the first case of COVID-19 in a Winnipeg school at Churchill High, grade 7 student. Uh, we carried uh, Dr. Rusin live at 1 o'clock today, and uh, it, it is a, this case is a bit of a head-scratcher. Uh, the child had no symptoms, got tested, uh, which isn't really recommended if you have no symptoms, but at any, at any rate... Uh, no symptoms, got tested, went to school, found out at school they had COVID-19 and went home. And, of course, rode a Winnipeg transit bus to get to school, had a mask on the whole time. Anyhow, the point is, Dr. Rusin said nothing here is wrong. There was nothing wrong with what happened. And he, again, has warned, you know, don't judge, don't shame. And I, and I want you to talk about that because I think this child and, and children that test positive going forward could have a real tough time. It's not going to be difficult for other kids to figure out which kid had COVID-19. And, and this, to be honest with you, this worries me. So here's the deal as with any sort of kind of uncovering of something that's hard is that if we pass judgment and are hard and get angry and offload blame and judgment onto people, other people are watching and saying, oh, it doesn't go well to out yourself as having COVID. I better not do that because I don't want to have that sort of reaction to happen to me. There's this sort of, we're all watching and seeing what happens. And if it doesn't go well, people learn from that and then adjust their behavior. What we, I'm hoping we will be able to do in Manitoba here is as cases come forward, we can say, thank you for finding out, for taking that test. Thank you for taking action to pull yourself away for, um, a, you know, and that we, we, we support people and we affirm people so that as, as other people are watching, they say, it's okay to go get tested and it's okay to find out I have a positive result because I'm going to receive affirmation for it rather than judgment. And so I think it's really important to be supportive and encouraging of each other because it will help everybody from here on forth. 
Yeah, because everybody's, you know, all the parents, all the moms and dads, all the kids, all the teachers, I mean, everybody is in the same situation here, right? We've said since the beginning of this, we have to, you know, we'll get through it together, we're in this together, but boy, students, teachers, schools, uh, they are really, truly in it together, and they're all dealing with the same fears, the same concerns, uh, the same scenarios, so I, I, I really do think it's a, and I think it's happening, I think they are banding together and uh but but i did think it was important to talk a little bit about the possibility that these kids that test positive uh could be uh you know at the center of um i'll put it this way attention yes and i think as kids um have a, a positive diagnosis i hope that our first reaction is how are you are you okay what can we do to support you that we extend support and love and care towards the students and their families um, and that they ex experience our gratitude that they were diagnosed and are taking the correct action so that um, we can all do this together. We know that kindness and empathy goes so much farther than judgment and blame. Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.